Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John, back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. And I wasn't going to do a uh, podcast this week because I had to work on Sunday with a few clients and I was just feeling a little bit lazy. Well, not lazy, just uh, wanting to watch football and, and hang out. So I'm recording this on Halloween. Happy Halloween. And it seems like a good day to record this because what I'm talking about today is the signature emotion of men, and that is anger some degree of anger. And anger is often a mask, which is why Halloween's so appropriate to talk about this. So let me let me backtrack a little bit and just keep you up to date on my thinking. So many of you have heard me talk about the man box culture that we are raised in. And the man box is the set of rules that we learn from very young age, from five on up, the rules about what it is or what it means to be a real man. And if you ask thousands of teenagers, you will get remarkably similar answers. Men are tough. Men are self-reliant. We avoid all things feminine. We avoid all things homosexual. Men are successful. We compete. We win. We don't back down. We're stoic. We're good providers for the family. And there's some good in there and there's some bad in there. I think anytime you take any of those to an extreme, I could argue there's some problems. But the, the biggest one to me that I talk about most is this idea of be stoic. Don't feel. Or for God's sakes, don't show how you feel. And when we're growing up, think middle school, high school, that kind of stuff. If you show too much sadness or fear in front of others, at some point, you get something of the following as an insult in response to you showing emotion. Dude, stop being such a pussy. Don't be a little bitch or don't be a little girl. Now, there's other insults that can substitute for those. But the thing that's fascinating to me about those is those three are the very epitome of femininity. I mean, really, I don't know why we don't take pussy and make that into a compliment. Strong, resilient, tough, able to absorb a blow. Anyway, but the, the, the message that you get there when you're growing up is don't be feminine. And if you show anything that's too feminine, you're going to get hammered. And so you get that message a couple times and you're like, oh, shit, I don't like that. That, that hurts. It's embarrassing. I'm not going to show that anymore. And you jump back in the man box on the other side of the emotional spectrum. If you show too much joy, love, excitement, romanticism, God forbid, flamboyance, you'll get something like, dude, don't be so gay or don't be a fag. And the message there is don't be homosexual. Don't be anything other than straight and masculine. Although they never really tell you what masculine is. They just tell you what masculine isn't. It's, it's known as a negative identity, which is kind of fascinating. But in any case, I, again, I don't think it takes many times of getting that message where we hop back in the man box and we're like, shit, I'm not showing that again. And so the question is, what can we 
safely display in terms of emotion without fear of being humiliated? And I would say it's three things. The first one is lust. Because if I say, oh my God, look at that ass in those jeans, or I'd do her, the message that I'm sending is that I'm straight, I'm hetero, I'm safe, I'm not gay. The second one is stress. Because if I tell you, folks, I am so stressed today, it implies at some level that I'm busy or important. So that's safe. And the third one, the big one, our signature emotion, our primary go to feeling, is anger, some degree of anger, frustration, annoyance, irritation, impatience, rage, you name it. And the problem that we have is that the vast majority of our emotions get funneled through this anger lens. I've seen anxiety come out as anger. I've seen embarrassment come out as anger. I've seen guilt and shame show up as anger. Definitely male depression comes out as anger. It's irritability and impatience. So that's definitely there. And it, it's just emotionally stunted. And then we get into a relationship and the biggest complaint I hear from wives is I can't connect with my husband. Well, yeah, it makes sense to me because we're mocked and humiliated for dipping our toe in anything that's feminine, which is being nurturing, being caring, being supportive, being thoughtful, learning how to communicate better in a relationship. Hell, it could even be being smart, being intelligent, depending on where you grow up. But those aren't feminine attributes. Those are human attributes. We have just kind of unnaturally divvied up the internal world of human beings into masculine and feminine. And I think, you know, to me, the goal is really the balance of the masculine and the feminine within yourself so that we can access all parts of ourselves and bring the best of ourselves to any given situation. So in other words, if you want to go play tackle football, cool. Bring those masculine traits with you. Be tough, be aggressive, compete, don't back down, talk smack. All that works in that environment, in that context. If you have date night with your spouse, you need a little bit of different, you need a different set of skills, hopefully. So you need to be more communicative, more empathetic, more supportive. You need to be a better listener, all of which have traditionally been under the feminine umbrella. And just as a reminder, those are human, not feminine. And then if you have a two-year-old daughter who falls and skins her knee, you need to be gentle, caring, nurturing, soft. And, and so it, the idea to me is let's develop a different set of traits so that we can best meet the situation. And most men I talk to only have one set of skills, one set of traits because they've been socialized in that way. Again, this is not our fault. We didn't ask to be socialized like this. It just happens. However, I would say it is our responsibility to evolve beyond it in service of our relationships. And it's all about relationships. In my opinion, it's all about connection. And so if you want to serve your marriage better, if you want to serve your parenting better, hell, if you want to serve the people you work with better, all this applies to all of us.
Okay, so the other thing that I've been thinking of recently is this idea of shame in men. And if you listen to the past couple episodes, I, I talked about shame, but I, I really believe that there's this fundamental conflict within us where we are men, we are trained, we are socialized to be stoic, we are socialized not to feel. And as a real man, I shouldn't feel. And that is deeply ingrained in us. It's so ingrained that we, most of us don't even see it. It's the air we breathe and the mask is so tightly welded to our face that we don't even see the difference between the real authentic me and the mask that I wear. So we've got that on one side, I should not feel, I am a man. On the other side, you've got, I am human and therefore I feel. It is a biological imperative. It is, these emotions have been selected by evolution over millions of years to continue on. They exist for a purpose, all of them. So what happens when those two come into conflict? I am man, I should not feel. I am human, I feel. And what I've seen over and over and over with myself and other men is when we have certain emotions, when we get depressed, when we, when we feel anxious, when we feel insecure, when we have doubt, when we have a panic attack, um, when we can't manage our emotions, then what follows is shame. And shame is the belief that we are unworthy of longing, sorry, of love, belonging, and connection. We are unworthy of connection. And wow, what a, what a shocker. Currently, there's an epidemic of loneliness going on among adult men. There's also an epidemic of deaths of despair. There's also an epidemic of drug and alcohol addiction. I wonder if shame's fueling all of those. Stands to reason. And instead of shame, instead of tapping into our shame and learning how to deal with shame, guess what we get? Anger. So yeah, and, and here's the problem with the anger dynamic is if I'm really angry with you, in that moment, I am externalizing all blame, which means in my mind, I think it's all your fault. If you would just stop being such an asshole, I wouldn't be so pissed off. If you would just stop being such a moron, I'd be fine. If you would just stop nagging me, I wouldn't be so angry. And when we do that, we give away all our power. It's like you're Tony Stark, Iron Man, and you take the arc reactor out of your chest and you hand it to the other person saying, here, fuck with me. It's like giving other people the remote control to your emotions and saying, here, push my buttons. 
So to me, the, the skill of self-awareness is fundamental. That's foundational. So we have to become aware of this before we can even begin to address it. The next step is really learning to manage anger, which, you know, it's partly stress reduction. It's partly learning relaxation techniques. It's partly learning more about anger. It's partly learning some positive psychology tools to cultivate more frequent positive emotions. Um, you know, one of the things we know about men is that we lose our sense of humor after the age of about 23 and, and women too. But the, the reason for that is we go into the workforce at 23, roughly. And over time, we just, you know, our sense of humor falls off a cliff. And, you know, it's not like Wile E. Coyote. It doesn't survive. The other thing that's interesting to me is about that same age, men start to decline in their friendships. And this is, there's a variety of reasons for this. I mean, marriage, over-focus on kids, over-focus on work, uh, your friends move out of town. Um, I don't think men are very good at maintaining long-term friendships. We're not very good at reaching out. That seems to be a theme. And, you know, we think, well, why don't they reach out? I remember I had a, after my divorce, I was trying to cobble together my old friendships and I went and had lunch with a friend of mine and I hadn't spoken to him for years. And in the middle of lunch, he goes, Hey man, like, how come you never called me? <laughs> my response was screw you. Like the phone rings two ways, you know, it's not just me calling you. You could have called me. And that's what we forget. It's yes, I didn't call, but you didn't call either. So no harm, no foul. Let's just rekindle our friendship. So getting back to anger, this anger idea, I think one of the things, one of the things that you can ask yourself is what's underneath my anger? Great question. Because anger is often a secondary emotion which means that it follows quickly on the heels of another emotion. So for instance, my feelings just got hurt. Someone insulted me. Within a third of a second, that hurt feeling flips to anger. I slip on a banana peel and fall on my ass and people laugh at me. I feel embarrassment in a third of a second that flips to anger. I'm depressed, my, my patience is, is shot. And so I'm irritable and everything annoys me. That kind of thing. And for me, the, you know, when I ask that question, what's underneath my anger, the vast majority of the time, it's someone hurt my feelings. And understand that hurt feelings arise from the tiniest of shit. Like someone ignored you. Or you made a bid for attention from your wife and she didn't look up from the phone to meet your bid. Or someone comes home late. Or someone comes to bed late. Or you get turned down for sex. I mean, there's all these small things that can add up to these little annoyances. So part of this is awareness. And part of it's understanding just how small these emotions are and how quiet they can be at times. 
Because ideally, if we can address them in the moment, then they don't fall into our bucket of, night of negative emotions and accumulate. So for instance, if you know Jory comes home late from work, I don't know, that's kind of a bad example because we're both working from home. But anyway, let's say she comes home late from work and I have dinner ready and it's cold now. I'm, I'm smashing the old stereotype there. Anyway, I can bring it up to her in the moment and say, hey, honey, you know, it, it really frustrates me or it hurts my feelings when you show up late from work, when you said you're going to be here at six and now it's seven. And so in that case, in a relationship where you've kind of learned how to communicate with one another, that works really well to address these slight paper cuts, these emotional paper cuts in the moment. Now, you need to have a partner that doesn't respond with defensiveness to that. You know, screw you, I was out working to support the family. Uh, well, okay, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. The other thing to keep in mind here with, with anger is the difference between emotion and behavior. So we're talking about anger. Something happens to trigger your anger. And let's say you're at in and out and some guy insults your wife and you punch him in the face. This is the way a lot of people come to me for anger management in the past. The anger is accumulated, something triggers anger, and they act impulsively without thinking based on the anger. And the action and the anger are fused together so closely that people don't realize that there's actually a gap between the two and that the two are separate. And there's a third of a second between the emotion that you feel, let's say anger, and how you act as a result of the anger. And with practice, that third of a second can become a half a second, a second, five seconds, 10 seconds, and things improve in your life. I think it was Viktor Frankl who said, there's a gap between stimulus and response. And within that gap, lies the possibility for choice and freedom. And that is true. So what we're trying to do is separate the anger that you feel from how you act as a result of the anger. So if someone insults my wife, I get angry and start attacking him verbally or physically. That's not a real constructive way to deal with it. You can speak up and say, hey, I need you to apologize to my wife. Like That's totally out of bounds. You can assert yourself. And, and this is kind of the, the heart of the matter with anger management. It's being able to buy yourself enough time to think, what are my best options here? And people often tell me, well, a third of a second, like that's no time at all. Well, yes and no, I'm talking about the speed of thought here. And so in a third of a second, you can think a thought like take a deep breath or excuse yourself to get out of the situation, or you can reframe it. Oh, maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he just got a ticket. Maybe his wife just left him. You can find ways to take it less personally. 
And so I just, I want to encourage the listeners out there to really take a look at this anger dynamic. Now, by the way, keep in mind when I'm talking about this, I'm not saying we're angry all the time, although some might be, that's more of a hostile personality trait where you interpret everything through a negative lens, almost a paranoid lens. What I'm saying is that there are times where we have enough drops of annoyance and resentment and hurt and anger that have accumulated in our bucket of negative emotions, where we get one or two more and we erupt. And then we say stuff or do stuff that we later regret because we weren't really in our right mind at the time. And those moments might be only one or 2% of the time, but they leave marks. I remember there was a story of a, a teenage son who wanted to, he had a legendary temper and he was always scorching the earth and burning bridges and blowing up relationships. And finally, one day he came to his dad and he said, dad, I want to, I want to learn to manage my temper. And dad said, okay. Every time you lose your temper and say something in anger, I want you to pound a nail into the back fence. Okay. So over the next few months, he started pounding nails into the fence every time he lost his temper. And after a while, there was nails covering the back fence. This was over about four months. And eventually he came back. And he said, dad, I think I've exhausted my, my anger. I think I'm, I've learned to manage my temper. And the dad said, okay, now I want you to go back and pull out every one of those nails that you hammered into the fence. So he said, all right, went in the backyard, started pulling out nails. There were thousands of nail holes in the fence. And he came back and he said, why'd you have me do that? He said, well, I want you to realize that every word you say in anger, it leaves a hole, it leaves a mark, and that mark does not go away. So keep in mind that when you're speaking in anger, the stuff we say has an impact and it doesn't go away. It rattles around in the minds of the people that heard it potentially for years. So I'm not really sure how to wrap this up. Um, I mean, I can go on forever about anger. <clears throat> I think that, you know, one of the best ways to get rid of the bucket of negative emotion and everything that accumulates in it is to practice daily forgiveness, uh, which is a skill I've talked about on the podcast. I, I think that we also need to focus on ways to put drops of positive emotion into the other bucket that we have because that gives us enduring resources to support and care for our loved ones and coworkers and others. And the, the more full that bucket is, the harder it is to getting to that point where you're volcanic and you lose your temper. So it's a double-edged sword here. Um, the other thing is to work on stress reduction techniques. The other thing is to work on deep relaxation techniques, progressive muscle relaxation, 
mindfulness, loving kindness, meditation. And, and really the point there is most of the people that I work with are really, really lousy at relaxing and being. They're very good at doing and running away from their core self and how they feel and what they think. And they distract themselves by doing constantly. The slowing down and stopping is terrifying for many of them. And yet I think that we need to train, I would say it is critical to train our mind and body to understand what it feels like to deeply relax, to relax to the point where your pelvic floor is relaxed, where your jaw is relaxed, where your forehead is relaxed, where your neck and shoulders are relaxed, where it feels like the muscles are falling off the bone. You're so relaxed. And the reason for this is we want to train your mind so that it has a baseline and knows where to return to when you start to get triggered, when you start to get stressed, when you start to get annoyed, so that ultimately you can just take a few deep breaths and return to that relaxed space within seconds. And I think so many of us out there are so far away from knowing what relaxed really feels like anymore that we mistake it for tired. In any case, I want to encourage you to practice increasing your self-awareness by asking yourself three times a day, what am I feeling right now? It's a critical skill. It all starts there. Um, practice mindfulness. Loving kindness is a big one for me, one of my favorites. And just keep, keep the intellectual humility alive. Remind yourself you don't know everything. And keep being curious about relationships and yourself. Now, if you like this episode, please feel free to share it. Please feel free to rate it and leave a review. That would be awesome. If you didn't like it, you don't have to do a damn thing. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John with the Evolved Caveman Podcast, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 